paging the Dr. Johns. You're needed in the ER immediately. Dr. John. What is it, Dr. John? Looks like we've got another flop. Do we have a reading on its beats? Negative. Let's check its vitals. Concept. A check. Plot. A check. Structure. Uh, I mean, it's there. Um, what about characters? Check. Dialogue? Check. What about its theme? Uh, yeah, about that. Well, let's fix it. But first... Welcome to the Script Doctors Podcast, where each week we take on a new patient, a movie script, or a TV show in an attempt to diagnose script diseases we found within them and suggest our own prescriptions on how we'd fix them. I'm Dr. John Cooper. And I'm Dr. John Akawi. And we are... The Script Doctors. We are not medical doctors. Therefore, any medical advice we give can and should be deemed as false. We are script doctors, graduates of the UCLA Screenplay Medical School, and therefore are only qualified to give medical advice on movie and TV scripts. All scripts are wonderful in their own way, and each has redeeming qualities. Our diagnoses and prescriptions are purely based on story and merely suggestions of what we would have done differently to make the story better in our eyes. Please consult with us, your script doctors, before submitting to any competitions or big-name Hollywood producers or agencies. Dun, 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 dun. Who's been fixing up everything? It's the Dr. Johns all along. <laughs> Who's been pulling every fix in the wood? It's been Dr. Johns all along. <laughs> by the wood, I mean Hollywood, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, when you're on the spot, improvising and ly- lyricizing, is that a word? <laughs> lyricizing um, a, the hit song, the Emmy Award winning hit song, Agatha All Along. You know, yes. you never know what's going to come up. <laughs> no, I, that was, uh, just for those of you listening, th- I didn't, uh, John didn't tell me how he was going to open this. And that was a wonderful, that was a wonderful surprise. That was wonderful. <laughs> You're welcome. I, th- I think you were anticipating a different song. <laughs> I was. I, w- I was expecting a very, very different song, but that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. We were, oh, I was also you. contemplating, um, now I'm blanking on the tune of the song, but um Dr. John's vision. <laughs> That's how I would have done that one. <laughs> well, I would have liked that one as well, but the other, I think this one definitely uh, takes cake for me. I think it was very great. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was um, our my rendition of It Was Agatha All Along, which actually is a like, homage and riff to the theme songs of the hit sitcom the monsters and the adams family theme from the adams family that's kind of where they pulled the the uh the musical ideas to it apparently dude i did not know that i just found that out too <laughs> thank I'm, you I'm, I'm not surprised because like everything in this show is like paying homage to something so why why am i surprised at that Exactly. Well, how about we pay homage to our favorite sitcoms. So, Dr. John C., what are your favorite sitcoms that you've seen? Oh, man, that is that is a really hard. Uh, that's a really hard question. But I think my all time <laughs> favorite is very I mean, this might be a basic answer, but I am a sucker for friends. I'll be there for you. Oh, that was off. But, you know, it's so good. I just like that one's just a classic. I come back to it time and time again, uh, and I love the what I what I love about Friends beyond other sitcoms is the the story. Like there, there's actual arcs. There's there's characters. There's development where that's not something you traditionally see a ton on on sitcoms. 
I feel. I mean, there there is, but not not in a big not big way. There's not huge huge changes. I feel like. Um, yeah, but a close close second is How I Met Your Mother. I do quite enjoy that sitcom as well. He does, and uh, if you're listening to this episode this late, you we recommend you go back and listen to our How I Met Your Father and How I Met Your Mother episode. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a great one. I, I was happy we got to do that one because I'm so passionate about How I Met Your Mother. And I'm so passionate, but for the wrong reasons about how I met your father. <laughs> Which I had to break the, I had to break the news to John that how I met your father won two Emmy Awards the other oh. weekend. But but they were in okay categories because yes. they were all technical. So I'm I'm fine if like the technical side of it was amazing. It's just LOL. Need needed help. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Dr. John A? What what are your favorite sitcoms? Um, let me pull out my scroll. I'm just kidding. Oh, um, the, I you know Dr. John A is a master of comedy, and so I'm not surprised he's got a scroll of sitcoms. I um, thank you, thank you. I am not a master of none. Shout out to Aziz Ansari. I'm a master of comedy. That was a really bad joke. <laughs> that was really, okay. Anyways, um, I well, I always find sitcoms are the easiest for me to consume because they're quick episodes, especially network sitcoms because they're like 21 minutes without advertisements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you just put them on in the background and you could be working or just doing chores or whatever. And you could still enjoy the episode and kind of what you were saying with friends where even though, yes, every episode, you know, there's a new little plot going on and things happening. There's sometimes an overarching thing that changes the characters over time, but it's so subtle and it's, it happens so slowly that it's okay. If you don't watch one episode, like unlike a drama where you're like, no, I have to watch and be invested, you know, every episode to understand what's going on. Um, So I watch a lot of sitcoms. And some of my favorite are, excuse me, classics like, wow, 30 Rock. Um, oh, I love, I love 30 Rock. Um, Parks and Rec is another one that I really love. And I will I will fight and die on this hill. I will run up that hill and say <laughs> that Parks and Rec is better than The Office for me. Um, oh, that's, I, 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 <laughs> we'll have an episode about it. We'll have an Incoming episode new episode. No, um. And uh, I have to say Modern Family. Oh, I love Modern Family. I'm just getting into that one. Really? Oh, you're in for a ride. <laughs> I, I like, I got on the boat really, really late because I literally just started watching it this summer, but I'm, I'm loving it. It is kind of like, it was kind of a bumpy road to figure out where they wanted to go at first. But then like, I feel like it's starting now and I'm like in the middle of season two. I feel like they're locking in a little bit more to what they end up yes. Yes, I feel like by season three of that show, it's like it's a smooth sailing from there. Like the character voices are so defined. They know exactly what the arcs are. They know exactly what kind of fun situations to put them in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that then it's just a fun ride for until like season seven, you know, where it's like, OK, now you're starting to lose ideas. But that's fine because it happens to the best of us. Yeah, you can. And that's the that's the saddest thing about. Hollywood, I guess, in general, is like not being able to let something die because it's getting you money like but <laughs> keep your integrity because like it's it's not shameful the shows are going to die that's that's what happens unless you completely rebrand them and redo them they have shelf lives yes and so some things need to die and that's okay totally totally i was just thinking about it i wonder if we asked our parents what their favorite sitcoms were having like grown up in like 70s 80s of hearing what their version of Modern Family or The Friends is. <laughs> I think my my parents actually probably would say Friends too, because I feel like that was 
I mean, that was that's a pretty old series at this, that is at this point. Yeah. If you really think about it, I mean, it was made in what the. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In two years, it'll be 30 years since Friends premiered. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's old. That's true. My dad, because he lived here in the States in the 90s, he did watch he did watch it live. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. But what so we've been talking about a lot about him. But what exactly is a sitcom for people who are listening who don't they know the general idea. But what is it, Dr. Johnny? What are we talking about here? What is a sitcom? That's that's, that's right. Word for the day, in case you didn't notice, our screenwriting word of the day today is a sitcom. Well, do we know what the word portmanteau means? <laughs> yeah, it means uh, it's a it's a it's a harbor where boats come into where men um, eat a lot of toes at this at this port in this harbor. Why did I agree to do this podcast with you? I swear to God. <laughs> Hey, you're not the only one with the jokes. <laughs> Joking all day. But correct, Dr. John C. Portmanteau is a port which men go to eat toes in. Correct. <laughs> um, but um, yes, a portmanteau is a blending of words in which multiple parts of multiple, oh, in which parts of multiple words are combined into a new word. Like smog is a combination of the words smoke and fog, right? Motel. <sighs> is a combination of the words motor and hotel, motel. What are you doing to me right now? <laughs> I'm about to break down how we came up with the word sitcom and define it. <laughs> I didn't really, those are, my, those my are whole world is being shattered. I didn't know those were portmanteaus. So I knew smog was, but I did not know motel. So when I literally just read it, I had to keep my um, expressions very calm because I didn't want to give I was like, that makes so much sense. Because yeah, why do we call them motels and not just a freaking hotel? Because it's still a hotel yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. But it's because they're designed for, you know, people on the road rather than a hotel where people travel, you know, anyways. My so whole world. <laughs> continue. I'm sorry. I had to get my world back. <laughs> Let me break your world even more. And to Don't the listeners, it. because sitcom is a portmanteau, portmanteau, portmanteau. I speak I French. French. I should know how to say this. Um, it's the portmanteau of the word situational comedy. Oh, my gosh. So it's a genre of comedy that's centered on a fixed set of characters who mostly carry over from episode to episode. Uh, they're unlike um, sketch comedy, where usually it's a troupe that presents new characters in each sketch, like think um, Saturday Night Live. It's the same cast of characters, but every episode, right, they're playing different characters, different stories, different little sketches and whatnot. And it's different, of course, than stand-up comedy um, from stand-up comic shows, because um, that's where comedians tell jokes and stories to an audience. This is not that, because there's characters involved. Um, so some quick history. Sitcoms actually originated in the radio space back in the 1950s. Uh, but today, none of that exists anymore, <laughs> like on the radios, um, sadly. Uh, but instead, we find sitcoms on television, and it's one of the most dominant narrative forms that are out there. And a situational comedy television program used to be, and to this day, sometimes are recorded in front of a live studio audience, mm-hmm. hence the laugh track you always hear. Um, and it's always dependent on the production value and the production format of the show. Uh, nowadays, some shows you'll hear laugh tracks on. It's just a recorded laugh track. It's not recorded live. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I feel like are, are laugh tracks used when there's not actually a live audience to like make people feel like there's a live audience there? That, that was my understanding of how laugh tracks were used. But are they 
actually used to prompt the actual audience to laugh? No, actually. Um, they, they, from what I've seen is they'll actually have where this, because so you have the actual stage, right? Mm -hmm. And then the audience is usually raised up a little bit more. And of course you never see them, right? Because under the audience is where the cameras are. Because most sitcoms, most are multicam, which we can talk about later or whatever. So the cameras have to be all set up and filming everything. There usually will be a sign that goes laugh. Or again, they'll tell you if there's something naturally funny, please laugh. So they know, but the laugh tracks you hear on an actual post-produced, post-produced, an actual ending, final cut of the episode, wow, is an actual recording of a track rather than what the actual live audience is laughing, if that makes sense. Really? That's interesting. So it's so just like... From... Sorry, go continue. Ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like sometimes when I'm watching, like when you watch Disney Channel, for instance, they do a ton of sitcoms, right? Mm -hmm. Uh I feel like I hear a ton of laugh tracks in that one and that makes sense. But then I watch something like friends or, and maybe it's just in, in the original like DVDs and not as much on Netflix, but there it's so funny. Cause in some episodes you can hear that one person in the audience who's laughing like a maniac. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And so I was wondering, is, is that all in post or those, are they actually keeping some of the authentic sounds? And some of these they might be because i've noticed i mean like you said disney channel and i know nickelodeon is another culprit of this if you hear the laugh track it's always the same laugh track mm -hmm. and that's why it's some like okay it's clearly they can't they're not getting the same audience for every single show and every single episode that it's just like some i think yeah it's like a what's that word that hitch like a mcguffin no that's not a mcguffin what's that one sound i'm so lost right now but that sound of like um ah you know like the Star Wars one. Is, What's it called? I can look it up. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It's like the sound of someone screaming, but then it became so famous that they just use it across productions nowadays. Yeah, it's the Wilhelm scream. Thank you. The Wilhelm scream. It's kind of like that, where it's like a specific laugh track sound that just gets used for all these different productions. But I think mm -hmm. over time, you know, it evolves and changes because you watch newer sitcoms and sometimes the laugh track sounds much differently than the soundtracks we heard, laugh tracks we heard, you know, 10 years ago right or 15 years ago when we were younger but, so much easier yeah yeah sitcoms have evolved they, they're constantly evolving which is interesting yeah and it, they, they look actually very differently that was something i was going to talk about is that like you mentioned the multi-cam setup right there's like got multiple cameras and they're filming the same scene from different angles but the the word sitcom is starting to be a little bit more controversial because originally you know it's it talked more about you know, it was the multi-cam stage-like setup, but now you're seeing a lot more sitcoms do a uh, single cam setup without laugh tracks. I mean, all the examples we just stated, except for Friends and How I Met Your Mother, actually. So all the examples you stated <laughs> were uh, were more of the modern ones that are, are dealing with, you know, 30 Rock, uh, The Office, Parks and Rec. These are still sitcoms, basically, but they have a very different format than the traditional sitcom that you'll see on Disney Channel with stuff like Ant Farm or I'm dating myself here, Jesse or <laughs> the camp one. I see I'm losing it. I don't know what the, what the ones are these days, but the ones you watch as a kid, you know, those traditionally are multi-cam, whereas the ones these days are a little bit more single cam and they resemble the formatting of like dramedies more than they mm -hmm. do traditional sitcom so that word's being argued a little bit but when we use sitcom it really what we're meaning here is that situational comedy and the recreation of said 
situation and said comedical moments in every single episode. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole purpose of what their design is. is so that you can jump in any episode anywhere along the entire season mm -hmm. and be able to understand what's going on. That's why they're yeah. easy to listen to, right? Exactly. And you don't feel necessarily lost. Like again, sometimes there's certain character development that happens over the course of a season. So if you do jump in a season or two later than the beginning, you might be like, oh, okay. You know, but it's not enough where you're like, what is going on? You know, whereas a drama or procedural you pop into, you're like, I am so lost. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they're, of... they're very confusing if you just jump in the middle of it. Yeah, right. Um, but as you were saying, like the Disney Channel ones, it made me think of like Nickelodeon ones that we grew up with, like Drake and Josh as a multicam, yep, iCarly as yep. a multicam, Victorious as a multicam. Yeah, those are probably the two big competitors that I know of, Disney and Nickelodeon for that traditional sitcom. Yeah, because like you said, um, the I mean, another big popular multicam sitcom is Big Bang Theory that a lot of people would know. That's right. That's right. That was done traditionally as well. But then ironically, the prequel series they created, Young Sheldon, is a single cam. Mm -hmm. Which is so weird that they did that, but. Gotta spice it up. Spice, it, spice up. it up. It's why often you'll see this like proverbial torch being handed off. It's like we have one multicam for adults, usually per running out. It's, it's kind of like a Sith rule. There's never more than two. There's like never more than one or two, like really big sitcoms. But I'm sure that I'm sure there's plenty of examples that would break that. But I feel like, you know, it went from friends to how I met your mother to the big bang theory to like, like you know, this, this torch is like being passed along. It feels like sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, kind of, I mean, as, as the, the recording of this episode, the Emmys just happened, but I was reading an article that was saying how long it's been since a sing, a multicam comedy has won an Emmy for best comedy right now. It's just strictly, I mean, and since modern family started its winning reign of like multiple years in a row, I mean, it's because modern family is single cam. Ever since right. then, it's always been a single cam winning. Mm -hmm. oh, exactly. So maybe we're seeing a resurgence of it. I guess time will tell. Time will tell. And I mean, it kind of goes right into the um, topic of today because yes, this yes. show did a super homage to the sitcoms of the last seven decades. And Literally. that topic is WandaVision. <laughs> In case you didn't know from all of our singing and the title of this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What we're talking about today. <laughs> WandaVision, not Dr. Johnavision, which will be our new prescription glasses for all you screenwriters out there. For the, for the low cost of $99.99.99.99, clear vision can be yours too. Exactly. <laughs> you need help seeing the structure? Just buy our glasses. It'll see it for you. We're apparently $99 million. <laughs> apparently, I didn't know we were that. Oh, we remember, we don't accept insurance. No, we do not accept insurance. Very important to remember that. <laughs> so, but yes, today's topic is the exciting WandaVision. Yes, and, and here's, the, here's the interesting thing about it is we are both super fans of this show, I feel oh like. Oh my God, yes. Oh my it's gosh, yes. so good. There, it is so well done. It's so well written. It is so powerful. I have watched it two times and I don't rewatch series. Like it's, it's so not. good. I don't. I just remember it too much. But I wanted <laughs> to watch it again because I was so moved the first time I watched it. But why is it here? Why is it at the doctor's office? Right? If it's such a good series, why is it here? Because nothing truly is in, in this world, in our world of writing, 
movies and creating content, there is no such thing as a perfect, clean bill of health. Mm-mm-mm. There are healthier individuals. There are shows that are done better or that do worse. That's not for us to decide, but to decide. It's for us to come in and say, here are some things that are potentially unhealthy in your life. Like you might not be, you might not have this disease yet, but like if you don't take care of yourself, it's going to get worse or they're very mild cases, but just because it's a mild cough doesn't mean it's still not a cough that needs to be treated. You get what I'm going with this analogy? Yes, I, yes, I, yes, I do. Oh, I was also asking the listeners. I'm just trying oh. to hear the responses. It's really, it's really Here, give them a moment to respond. Okay. WandaVision. I think they, yeah, they're fine. That's right. Oh, I was going to do some sort of Dora impression, but I don't speak. Can you tell me if you understood? Bueno. I was going to say, all oh, my Spanish just went out the door. <laughs> like when you're on the spot, it goes away. That's just what happens. I was going to be like, Agatha, no swiping. Agatha, no swiping. I love it. <laughs> But yes, I agree with Dr. John. Uh, I mean, we love the show so much and it's just so perfect in so many ways, but everything. And again, even stuff we write, we think is perfect, but there's always things for better improving. Right. And I think that is something that can be talked about in any art form, not just in writing, but in acting in directing and producing and painting everything. So, and if you think your thing is perfect, you are going to struggle. I'm just going to say it straight out of the gate. Our half our job is receiving feedback. And half of writing is rewriting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not perfect. Hate to break it to you. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. one division isn't perfect, the stuff you're writing surely isn't and can always be improved. But exactly. like one division, maybe it's ready for maybe it's ready for producers and creation. And, and that that doesn't mean that it's perfect. Also, for the other people who know their thing will never be perfect. One division is not perfect. And look how highly successful it is. You just got to get exactly. it the right balance, right? Exactly. So what exactly what exactly is wrong then with, with WandaVision, Dr. John A? So unfortunately, we have seen that WandaVision has come down with um, pseudo-setupery, which has led to further complications such as non payophatous syndrome and overgrown setup. That's right. Now, uh, pseudo-setupery is a very, how do I say it? It, it? Like its name implies, it's a very subtle ailment. It's a very subtle sickness, but uh, trained experts can, can kind of identify what's going on there. And, and honestly, not so trained experts will feel it. You'll feel the side effects of pseudocetupery. But what is it? Pseudocetupery is uh, kind of a false setup, if that, if that makes sense. It, it's a setup that is not quite fitting and causes complications with the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, such as the non-payophatous syndrome, which is a fairly severe one when it comes to when it comes to media and film, isn't that right? Yeah, I, it's it's. I mean, you see it a con- a constantly in a lot of different projects and whatnot. And it's the idea there there are multiple setups designed in the earlier parts of an episode of a season, mm-hmm. or in a movie. It's usually in the first act that really are never paid off, explained, and it kind of leaves the audience very confused even more so unsatisfied and just wanting more because what they're in it for has never been resolved. Exactly. And you can sometimes go so. Sorry. Is that within the episode or is that within the series that you're talking about? I just wanted to like 
clarify for audience members. It could be either. I mean, in the case of WandaVision, it's in the series, and I think it helps because it's a mini series rather than a traditional seasonal show. Mm-hmm. Um, but in many cases, it could be an, even in an episode, you know? Interesting. Um, and I was going to say, sometimes it's like, you know, you have your inciting incident, and that's the question that gets asked of the audience that we're following along. And it could be as simple as even like in the resolution, the question that was asked never got answered. You know, you yeah. set it up, but it was never paid off. Exactly. And that also a complication, excuse me. Wow. Where are my words today? (laughs) I've been there every day. (laughs) It's good to be here. Good to be with you. Uh, The other complication that kind of arises from this is, is that overgrown setup. It is a setup that lasts a little bit too long. If that makes sense. Typically, if you're looking at like a feature film, your setup is like, you have like 10 pages. Some may even argue 25 if you're lucky in a 110 page script, right? But typically you want to try to keep it within within 10 pages. So that's like a little bit less than 10% of your show. But with, with WandaVision, you've got, what is it? Eight, nine episodes? I'm trying to remember how many it has. Nine. Nine. Nine episodes. And if three of those are, are handling your setup for the show itself, that's a third. Then that's a, that's a third. That's 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 a lot. We can do math. <laughs> we, <laughs> that's hard, but we can do it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so go for it. You go for it. That was, what you're saying? I mean, you're we're literally saying three of the uh, nine episodes, a third of the show, is being spent just setting up what mm-hmm. the proper premise of the show is going to be, and it's like it's not a movie, BB. So it's not like you know where you spent the first act of a movie trying to foretell it. It's like it's a TV show with three full episodes. Mind you, those three episodes were released over two different weeks too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which uh, which also can be a little bit problematic though. If you're going week to week, I think the problem may have accidentally like exacerbated itself in the actual like release time, or I believe it would just simply because, and now we're going to talk a little bit more ab- about that, um, that pseudo setupery mm-hmm. because- if you're still setting it up in the first episode, you know, it, it's across the board. Nobody likes exposition. Nobody likes, <laughs> I mean, uh-uh. I can't say nobody, somebody out there loves that, but across the, like, generally speaking, people don't like to stick around for ex- for long expositions. Right. So if you watch episode one and you're seeing exposition, then you're like, okay, well next week, like it'll it'll kick into gear and then you get another episode of exposition (laughs) next week it'll kick in you're three weeks in and you're like this is another episode of exposition like Mm -hmm. i like i i know people who have been turned away from the series because of that exact thing yeah yeah um and i realize we kind of to before we really dive into prescriptions unless you have anything else to say about the diagnosis go for it I was going to say to, for the people who maybe aren't familiar with WandaVision, but also why we were even talking about sitcoms to begin with. <laughs> um, well, WandaVision is a miniseries available on Disney Plus created by Jack Schaefer. Uh, and it is the first of many, 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 <laughs> many, 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 many. <laughs> Marvel series that are out and or coming out or in plan. But it was literally the first series and honestly, the first project of phase four that came out due to the pandemic. And the series takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame, which we won't spoil for you, but if you haven't watched it, what are you doing with your life? Everyone dies. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, 
But also but, there will be spoilers for that in here. Just uh, because of the nature of the beast. It'll spoil uh, it'll spoil Infinity Wars Endgame and as well as Wanda Everything, everything yeah. Um, but the show basically follows Wanda Maximoff and Vision as they live an idyllic suburban life in the town of Westview, New Jersey, until their reality starts moving through different decades of sitcom homages and television tropes. And yes, every episode of the show for I think six or seven of, no, probably six of the episodes are designed around a specific famous sitcom from a specific decade. So like episode one is like, I love Lucy. I don't know what episode two was, but episode three is... Um, Episode Brady two. Bunch. Two was Bewitched. Oh, two was Bewitched. I thought, okay, that one makes sense. Okay, yeah, two was Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Episode, oh yeah, duh. Duh. Now <laughs> <laughs> that I'm realizing it, duh. Can you imagine uh, if they had not done Bewitched? Yeah, right. That would have been embarrassing. That was a really, that, that's a very clear, like, obviously do this one. Yeah, right. Especially because they're literally about witches and stuff. Um, episode... Mm. <laughs> Episode three is the Brady Bunch and Good Times. Um, episode four skipped um, some of the sitcoms. Episode five was an homage to like Family Ties, Roseanne, Full House. You even had one that ended up coming up to like The Office and Modern Family with a mockumentary style. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're talking about sitcoms today because it's a beautiful homage. And if you honestly watch every episode, forgetting it as a structural narrative of a series but every episode is very well structured for what a typical sitcom of that decade was structured and looked like absolutely nailed nailed it on the head uh that's why we rave about it because we're like this is beautiful in and of itself (laughs) it is like you could you could pick up those episodes drop them in the middle of a series about you know wanda and vision and it would it would work as a sitcom back in that day uh, but what's very interesting is that very thing that they nailed that they were going for is possibly one of the only things that holds this show back a little bit. Surprisingly. Yep. <laughs> right. Cause I think that's the, I mean, even to preface what we're talking about more, that very first episode, literally there's almost nothing except for a sitcom being mm-hmm. shown to us. Right. There mm-hmm. are, I think three moments off the top of my head, maybe, maybe less. And they're, and they're fairly small. And most of them come at the end that allude to anything other than yeah. just we're doing a sitcom. Period. Like we're just doing this fun little sitcom of every decade, and you're just getting little hints of something else, right? Yeah. So that it, I find to be problematic uh, if we're still talking about kind of that diagnosis and what is what is wrong with this series is that by lingering, you know, by embracing that you are able to pitch a very good episode, but you're not able to pitch the series in the context of the world that has already been created. The people who Mm -hmm. are watching WandaVision are not people who are watching I Love Lucy. You know, there, there are a few, there are a few people who who love that show or who have seen Bewitched or enjoy a good old fashioned nostalgic trip down memory lane to those sitcoms. But if you're watching a Marvel movie, you are likely in it for the action, for the superheroes, for the humor, for like, for all these things that WandaVision does not convey in that first mm-hmm. episode at all on mm-hmm. any level. And it does it a disservice in, in a way, you know, you need to, you need to still have elements of that coming through or at very least, anyway, I'll talk about more about that in, in my prescription, but in doing so it can turn several audience members away 
which is why I consider it to be a disease in the first place. Because I know, like I said, I know people who have been turned away, haven't made it through the second episode because they're like, I don't want to watch old time sitcoms. And that's fair. I mean, I, when I, when WandaVision was premiering and uh, airing, I was taking um, a graduate course in television comedies. So it was kind of like a beautiful little plus in a way where it's like, we literally took a course on, you know, television histories or sitcom history. So it was kind of cool to see, okay, we watched some I Love Lucy episodes. We watched the Bewitched episode and then kind of seeing a modern interpretation of that episode using big Marvel characters and stars like that. So that was the fun of it for me. But like you said, many people, especially people of our generation who maybe don't know or aren't familiar with these shows, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily understand the context of it, you right. know, and kind of what we were saying where uh, in my uh, uh, diagnosis of just like the payoff, you don't understand why we're seeing different episodes as different sitcoms until the penultimate episode, episode eight, where we go through Wanda's backstory from when she grew up in um, Sokovia and then ended up in, you know, with with the Avengers and Ultron and all that stuff that you're like, which I'm just going to say why, because I mean, this is always going to be a spoiler show. But like, <laughs> I'm like trying to have the secret when I'm like, no, if you, you, yeah. Anyways, you know, you find out that, oh, in her childhood, the way she found comfort with and connecting with her family was watching American sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And so through her grief, which is one of the biggest themes of the show, mm-hmm. she's overcoming the death of her husband, Vision, who died in um, Infinity War, actually, not even in Endgame. Right. Um, and her brother, Pietro, who's also known as Quicksilver, which I need to talk about in my diagnosis or my prescription of this um but he also died in avengers uh age of ultron so she's overcoming all this grief and the only way she best knows how to overcome it is by remembering the good times in her life which was when she was watching sitcoms in war-torn sokovia with her family Mm -hmm. and so she reimagines everything in the life she wants as these different sitcoms which i think again is a very beautiful metaphor and Mm -hmm. way to do it but it comes so late in the game of explaining why exactly which in some ways I can understand, but it wasn't set up properly and it was paid off too late. Right, so let's talk a little bit about that then, Dr. John. Uh, what what would you prescribe? How would you set that up better? What, what would you do differently? What would you tweak or change in order to have that payoff work so that we could cure its uh, no payoffitis syndrome? I honestly would have started showing cracks in the dream reality that Wanda's created much earlier on. Like you said, the first episode, there are small little moments. Um, and the, you said three, and I'm sure you're right. But the only one I'm thinking of right now is um, uh, when um, those two, the, the Vision's boss and his wife come over for dinner and the mm-hmm. boss starts choking and the wife turns to her, to Wanda, and she's like, help him, help him. And you're just like, what, what is going on? You know, it's like, it, it, it kind of didn't read well. Well, you realize it's because, you know, in a way that woman was coming out of the hex that she was under and trying to get to Wanda, you know, mm-hmm. you watch that and you're like, okay, what's going on? Fine. Episode two, you have Dottie and then the glass breaking and then the radio speaking to her. Okay. Another little hand. And then I forget, honestly, what happens in episode, no, episode three with Monica finally coming into the picture. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's little buildups, but it's like, I would have rather seen more cracks in us understanding that this hex that she's created is also destroying her internally, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, you know, cause it would make things land stronger and better as an audience member. You understand that. Okay. Yes. This is a dream reality. We, we, we understand that as this weird sitcom world, but it's like, what is it better telling us in the story? 
Right. What so I would just the world of Marvel. We don't understand where it fits. So we don't know how to feel about what we're seeing. We're mainly just confused yes. for the most part. We know exactly. something's wrong. So we're a little trep- trepidatious, but like we're not, we're not worried because we don't know what, what is this? Is this in her mind? Is this a real thing? Like what is, what is going on? Is this just an artistic interpretation by Marvel to get more money? Like what's happening? And if it was that case, I would not have minded because I would be like, okay, great. But mm, it wasn't sure, but- paid off well. <laughs> Uh, and I actually very much, unless you wanted to say anything else to that point, I just want to quickly agree with you. I think that is uh, a really important uh, prescription that this show needs that I actually, I will talk about in a little bit as well, but I, I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that's good prescription. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I mean, I know it's something so simple, but again, it's not like other things that we've seen where there's bigger issues or bigger holes that a lot of people have talked about in the media or addressed in certain scripts, but this one, again, it's really, really well done and thought of. It's just in the execution and in the payoffs of stuff, it's not landing because the setup is either too long, too much, or it's just not properly executed on the screen. You know, the show um, is a little too self-indulgent, <laughs> as as it were. In many ways. And I mean, sometimes I wonder if it was the setup of the episodes. Cause like, okay, first three episodes are these sitcom backgrounds that takes you from the 50s to the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then episode four happens and episode four is actually one does not exist in that episode because it's like you follow the character um, of Monica Rambo played by Tiana Paris, where she gets pushed out of this Westview world mm-hmm. and you realize, oh, outs- right outside of the town, sword is out there, you know, trying to help these citizens. And that's when you begin to understand, oh, my God, OK, Wanda has these people under a curse or a hex. Mm hmm. You know, and it's okay. And then episode four happens from the perspective of Monica and explains some of those little moments we saw in the first three episodes. Yeah. And then we dive back right into the reality of the world. And then also, I think what kind of did not work properly was there did not seem to be a proper antagonist, at least that was just spoon fed to us. Like you said, though, the third character we properly meet in the show is the antagonist of the show, but we don't know that until the end of episode seven. <laughs> right. When it, it was Agatha all along, you know. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting, though, because I, uh, when it comes to Agatha, while she may not be portrayed as, like, the antagonist antagonist that's, like, going to be the big bad villain of this, of this show... It's very interesting how she's still an antagonist in the in the makeup in the in the dream world kind of that that Wanda Vision has that Wanda excuse me has has created. You know, as, mm-hmm. as Wanda is just trying to have this normal life, who is it that is always messing things up, causing more problems? Like it's it's literally Agatha there being the antagonist in all trying to get Wanda to conform every single episode. Like she's still acting in the antagonist role, even within the sitcoms themselves. That's true. That's true. True. Exactly. But not necessarily in the big, the overlong series yet, at least until later. But right. yeah, you're right. Because uh, I feel, go ahead. I'm okay. sorry. I was just gonna say, it's one reason I feel like the payoff of her being like turning into the actual villain of the series lands for me, at least. I'm like, oh, it's, this is perfect. Like, <laughs> it's, of course it was Agatha all along. Like, of course she's the big bad. It, it, I mean, it's funny because now on, on, on this episode, I'm realizing that because I didn't take it, I didn't look into it that much, but you're right, because in every sitcom episode, 
in some sort of way, she was the antagonist of that episode. Mm-hmm. Again, as a sitcom, not like, oh, she's going to end up being this witch named Agatha who's literally trying to control Wanda and stuff like like that gets revealed in episode, honestly, eight, actually. Um, but I thought because with episode four and you understanding this hex that's going on that Wanda's kind of controlling everybody just for the sake of her own grief, mm-hmm. it's like they're painting Wanda to be this villain. Right. Which I thought was a very fascinating approach where you're turning this grieving woman into this villain who then you're expecting, okay, she's still going to have some sort of redemption arc by the end where she understands, oh, what I did was wrong and what I did was bad and kind of understanding it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like at the end, when everything is gets somewhat resolved, there's no consequences or repercussions for Wanda literally mind controlling everyone and destroying right. a whole city, you know, or town. And you're just like, she just walked away? Like what? <laughs> Well, and, and not even that, but the what's what's her lady, uh, the other Marvel character, what uh, Monica, Monica, that's her name. Literally comes up to her, puts a hand on her shoulder, and says, "They will never know what you've sacrificed." Yeah, right. And you're like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, I know you sacrificed your family, and it's a really touching moment. And like, it, it was like because all the other moments had been so touching to me. Like, I was like, "Okay," I, like, but that moment just still had a hard time landing because I was like they'll never know what you sacrificed you just took like you just like invaded their minds like they who cares what you gave up like you did something very bad here wanda exactly exactly and it's just like no she's she's chilling you know she's still Um, a hero no no she's not you know and i mean that will go into um what i mean just to preface to our uh, listeners um, a lot of these Marvel shows, their intention is that they're setting up for potential future movie arcs or literally for a movie. And when WandaVision was announced to us, the idea was, oh, WandaVision will lead into Doctor Strange 2, which we, come, we now know as Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, um, which great. And we might talk about in a future episode. Um, <laughs> maybe. But that's kind of where you kind of see Wanda in her villainous state in this kind of sort of hex. And I just wanted to say like, I would have just fixed the whole idea of the show in a way of just like, I want, I wish the writers would have kept Wanda's positive character arc. Mm-hmm. And then like, she shouldn't have created the hex per se, but maybe she was kind of less conscious because of her grief of creating it mm-hmm. or even have Wanda be completely disturbed by her own actions. And then, you know, when she tries to help when vision argues with her in episode five, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I would say, for example, like, and I'm going to just bring this up and this will be my last point just because this is the one little moment that pisses me off. When they decide <laughs> to bring her brother back into the picture, Pietro, or aka Quicksilver, played uh, by yeah. Evan Peters. Let me just note, Evan Peters did not play Quicksilver in the Avengers Age of Ultron movie. That was a Aaron Taylor Johnson. Correct. Um, but you but, do know who he did play, right? He did play Quicksilver. In the X-Men movies, which uh, at the time, Marvel and Disney did not necessarily own the rights to because they sold them to Fox. Right. And so imagine everyone's shock when we find out, oh, Pietro's back in the picture. And then the camera pans and gives us a shot of him. And it's Evan Peters. Mm-hmm. And again, we understand that this phase of Marvel and this is supposed to lead into the multiverse of madness. Mm-hmm. Of course, it, I mean, this is now just going off of writing, but it's like it created all these fan theories of like, oh my gosh, like the X-Men are coming back in. He must be the X-Men version. No, he was not. It, and oh, you come to find oh. out he literally was an actor 
name something boner. I can't even remember what his name was, but you're just like, <sighs> yeah, it was, it was Marvel just being self-indulgent and playing a joke on all of us, which like one time I get it, but they do this to us a lot. It's getting a little old <laughs> at this point. Right. But like what my point was going to be is like, why not use that introduction of Pietro to like offset Wanda? And maybe because again, she's grieving so much. She's okay. She's recreated as we come to find out. She's stolen visions or she tries to steal vision's body, but she recreates vision, mm-hmm. you know, and all of a sudden this Pietro comes out of nowhere in her life that she, as we come to understand, hasn't necessarily created. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, why don't you have that kind of screw up with her mind and kind of start to have these things tinker with her and kind of see more of her grief coming out. I mean, it's such a powerful thematic adaptation of what, grief could be given these superheroes but it just a lot of it doesn't land properly and again it's like they have these big setups where it's like ooh, this could be something bigger and then it doesn't pay off well you know right it's marvel doing that thing like this is going to be huge and like no this is actually just a cliff note this is just a little apostrophe right exactly you know just a little just a little fun thing for you to you know experience and do and you're just like really right and that's that's ultimately what I think the the biggest, it, it kind of, that that's one of the smaller moments of the bigger overarching problem within WandaVision is trying to keep everything close to, too close to the chest, trying to get the big reveals and the big surprises. You, you miss out on a lot of the emotional payoff because you're trying to hide stuff from the audience, right? And so it either comes off as like, I had all this built up emotion and now you're pulling the rug from under me. And now I don't know what to feel. I had all this emotion ready to like burst. And now it's just like, you just took it all away. Right. Whereas it can, and I can't even imagine had they done all that. Like, cause I already felt so much emotion in the last four episodes of WandaVision. Had they like structured that a little bit more tightly, man, I would have probably just been a weeping mess. Like, (laughs) no, seriously. Yeah. You know, people who wouldn't have seen the series would actually be watching the series or will would watch the series because they could actually get into it exactly you know um and again I, like i said it's an artistic interpretation which that's why it's one of i think mine and i can say probably our favorite shows is just it's so different it had yes, a different right. approach to telling kind of this superhero story um and then you know by the end of these this, the show in episodes eight nine it falls back into the marvel trope of just like okay now we have to have the cgi big action battles mm-hmm. where I thought maybe this show kind of did not necessarily need that because you've set it up in such a way where it's all about these sitcoms and this character grieving. And in some ways I would not dub it like this, but say like a psychological thriller, mm-hmm. if they really leaned into that of just kind of how it's affecting Wanda mentally. So by the end, maybe she does go insane and maybe she does go kill these people. Maybe she does, you know, destroy this and obliterate this town or something like make it land on a bigger note than it needs to be. That way her character arc leading into the next project that we're coming to believe, which is the Doctor Strange 2, would be this, oh my gosh, like, wow, Wanda has from her grief and just everything she's gone through become this villain. Right. And that would have been a much smoother transition. I 100% agree with it. If If we're looking at the wide scope of things and looking at WandaVision as a tool to lead us into Doctor Strange 2, I mean, it should have, it should have gone that way. They, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this, but the, the, I, have, I have some beefs with Doctor Strange 2 and Wanda specifically within it because mm-hmm. of WandaVision, right? Mm-hmm. I understand because of WandaVision simultaneously. Like that character is not unbelievable to me 
but it cheapens my experience with WandaVision because if WandaVision was just an isolated miniseries, right? That just existed and didn't have to, and she didn't have this huge arc of becoming a villain, right? Then I, you know, I also, like I'll agree, but also kind of contradict a little bit with, because it's Marvel, you kind of, unless they're going to be really bold and like do something completely different that they've never done before, which are two words that kind of don't sound like Marvel. Um, <laughs> the, uh, we had hope. We had hope. We had hope. But if they had to add in those CGI action battles and things, I don't know how they could have done that any better, if that makes sense, than, than what they did. Because what I really appreciate about WandaVision is the potential it gave for superhero stories again. You know, not everything has to be a world shattering crisis that everybody on earth will die if I don't do this thing. Some of these superhero stories, they can be personal, keep it mm -hmm. intimate, close. And you know what? Eight times out of 10, that's a more motivating and compelling story than the world's going to die. It's like, no, my future will die. The people I care about most will die. That is 10 times more compelling than every stranger that I don't know will die, <laughs> you know, whereas movies these days tend to tend to lean that way to, to up the stakes, but they don't need it. WandaVision is living proof of that, you know? Yeah, it makes her more human. You know, we know that she's this mutant, not just say mutant, because I don't want to piss off any Marvel people, but you know what I mean? Like, she's a superhero or she has these powers. Like, it makes her more human by just us seeing, yeah, she's a grieving mother. I mean, by exactly. the end of the show, but that's grieving, yeah. grieving, whatever ultimately why you're rooting for her in the climax even though she is a villain for basically all of this story she is the villain but you're rooting for her because she's fighting for her family for the people that she loves and we all can get that for the most part fighting for the people we love i got that's a very really relatable very you know base level instinct i feel like and you know as you're saying that it makes me realize if they really leaned into that and really gave her a killmonger arc it would have been perfect mm -hmm. at least for yeah. dr shoes too Yes, exactly. about in two different ways with Doctor yeah. Strange. Yes, the reason WandaVision in and of itself is so beautiful, though, is because we see her completely arc as a character to someone who's willing to sacrifice everything and everyone around her to get what she loves, to someone who is willing to give up everything that she loves, to lose everything she loves, to do what is right, mm -hmm. right. The, the problem, so in that in and of itself is beautiful. That is an arc that brings me to tears. That's why the ending was so beautiful and so perfect to me. But if you put it in, in context with Doctor Strange 2, that makes zero sense. Like mm -hmm. you can't have her do that arc if she's going to then completely disregard everything she learned in WandaVision. So that she come into Doctor Strange 2 and be like, well, but yeah, actually I do care. So I'm gonna go kill everything and everyone. So I can have what I want again. And it's like, did you not learn? You had a whole mini series to learn this. Had a whole six hours to yourself, girl. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's why, that's why I feel like Dr. Strange 2 cheapens one division a lot. This really beautiful piece of art is, is cheapened because they needed a, a fun villain arc. But if they had known about, I, I don't know if they knew about it beforehand, but if that was before, like, you really maybe should have leaned into it. And I like what you're saying is leaned into that villain, have a darker ending and let us know at the end of WandaVision that Wanda is now a villain in need of redemption so that her redemption arc kind of in Doctor Strange 2 actually lands. Exactly, you know. Um, yeah. And I was just kind of thinking about, I and mean, this is my last thing because I want you to talk about your um, prescriptions. But another thing that bothered me was just, um, again, with these little setups that they did, um, 
where they reintroduced new characters, not new characters, old characters that we've come to love and know, and there really was no arc to them. There was no point to them. Right. You know, right. like they brought in Darcy. I love Kat Dennings. I love her, but I just look at it. And I'm like, I really don't understand the point of bringing her back as Darcy in the show, just for just for like comedic purposes. You know, right? Um, Jimmy Woo. Same thing. Where I'm like, okay, I get now he's working for Sword, and I don't know if that was the point you're trying to make, or no, he wasn't working with. Or he's working with Sword or whatever. Working but I just felt. Yeah, I think. What? I think he works for the FBI, but right. Okay, but he was working with like in con or. Next, you know what I mean. Tandem. He's working in tandem. Yeah. Thank you. With sword, but I was just like, why does he? Why did he need to be there? You know, right. Um, and I get that they needed to introduce Monica Rambeau for the purpose of, um, you know, the upcoming Marvels movie, um, and then just the what's his name, the director Hayward of Sword. Please, when you come up with an antagonist, give him something more to do than just being like I don't like super people i am a villain like no like it, it, it wasn't a threat i was threatened more by wanda the entire time than like sword coming through you know exactly exactly and that, and that goes into what you were saying about leaning into wanda as the villain instead of these superficial other ones if that makes yeah. sense like sword but i see why they did like i see all the same time why they, they needed that fake vision you know um so, because that fight is very symbolic, I actually really enjoy the fight between the two visions um, because I feel like it fits really thematically. But the way we get there, it has a lot to be desired, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Sword uh, would make a heck of a lot more sense if she had taken the body or a piece of the body and created something from that, you know. That, so, like, he wants to get that back. And that's the whole reason they have this other vision that they've made, you know, like even just a slight tweak like that instead of exactly. just like, I just hate. Wanda, I guess she's dangerous. So I guess we're here to stop her. <laughs> yeah, right. That would give him an objective at the very least. Yeah, which I would. Oh. Anyways, those are my little qualms and beefs. So my overall prescription that have gone on probably for like half hour now is just to say things needed to have been set up differently or things revealed much more earlier than later in the, in the season. And honestly, I don't have too too much to add to that. That's why I haven't interjected or anything because honestly, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, that we, that's what we've been talking about. Like, honestly, my prescription is simply that, uh, like you said, those first three episodes need to be take, like someone needs to take a look at them because either stuff needs to be added to them to increase the intrigue and the mystery, right? That needs to be focused on by the characters themselves and like acknowledged on a greater level than just like these teaser things that come along for three seasons, three episodes where it's like, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it now, you know, and then you do a bottle episode to explain the now or episodes one, two, three, and four need to do this emerging. They need to be squished together. Right. So that the timeline is sped up. And so we understand the stakes right from the get-go. I mean, imagine you can linger in that sitcom for a little bit, but imagine if you and this, I mean, here's the thing though, this would have ruined her vision for it. And I understand that like the, every episode being a new decade. Right. But the mm-hmm. story may have more effectively worked. Had we seen these scenes intercut with bits and pieces from episode four. Right. Yes. So we're yes. This and we're watching one and that's in like, Oh, this is going on out here. Oh, look what Wanda's doing in here. And actually seeing that, you know, sometimes bottle episodes are really important. 
But in this case and scenario, it may have held this show back a little bit. I agree with that actually at this point, yes. Right? So then squishing all of that together would not only up the timeline, but it would create an accurate setup and establish um, realistic expectations, right? Because yes. when you go into WandaVision, most people are walking in, they watch episode one, and they think, okay, so what they're promising me is I'm going to watch a bunch of old sitcoms. And there's going to be no superhero things in it. There's going to be none of like the stuff that I come to Marvel for. Why am I watching this? The only clue even that there's something else is the end when you pull out on the bit, like from the TV screen of WandaVision. And suddenly we're back in a Marvel colored and Marvel framed universe. You're like, oh, wait, so there is more. But that's all. That's the only thing they do to say, don't worry, it's coming. But in my opinion, that comes, it comes way too late in that episode. It's literally the last five seconds that you, that they say, oh, and if you were worried that, this, that there's going to be more, don't worry. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to address that right up front because that's the most important thing in film is you got to hook them, right? And so if it's not right up front, then you need to reassure them really, really quickly that don't worry, don't worry. This is, it's going to be okay. We're going to get back to the action CGI Marvel stuff. It's going to be okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. A and little that's bit only, Yeah. And I think squishing the episodes would have, uh, you know, combining them possibly would have helped. Uh, maybe not to achieve the artistic vision, but possibly for the story, which is what we're here to analyze. Exactly. I was kind of thinking of like, what if episode four was actually like, if it wasn't interspersed between the first three episodes, which I think that is the good, the best idea, is if we started out with something like that, where we come to understand that, okay, there's a town that's under hostage. There's this weird hex around it. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's when Darcy comes in and because Darcy is the one who kind of figures out, okay, we have some weird television feed that's coming in. What right. is Wanda right. doing? Right. And you mm-hmm. begin to understand that. And then we're like, okay, what is she doing? And then go into the world like that mm-hmm. and then use the little clues. Like I remember there was the, the little helicopter thing that she finds on her lawn at one point. She's like, what is this? Right. The thing with Dottie. And then all of a sudden there's that red blood that when she crushes the glass like I mentioned earlier, the, the sounds are from the radio, which ends up being Jimmy Woo speaking to her, you know, Wanda, Wanda, who's doing this to you, um, the beekeeper. Um, even then when Monica gets into it, you're like, oh, you know, I think it would have changed much more in that because you're like, oh, my God, she's able to break through and she's not under the hex. What is about to happen? It would right. like you were saying earlier, it would up the stakes all of a sudden. Mm hmm. You know, and I like, again, we understand artistically, it was the whole point was they were trying to create this mystery and intrigue. Right. But I think it would have made it much more suspenseful, given if we know what was going on before. And we would have been much more prepared for what the climax was. Right. Like those promises would have paid off a lot more efficiently because we would have known right from the get go. It's going to end like a Marvel movie. There's going to yes. be a big blowout. Like I see it in the, in the, in the workings of it this whole time. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it wouldn't have felt like two different shows. Episodes one, two, three, and four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, essentially. Yeah, or if you're really looking at episodes one, two, three, five, six, and then four, seven, eight, nine, or <laughs> however you want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of what the, each episode was, but yeah. You know, um, again, just something, <laughs> something different to kind of strange up the structure of the season. Would have, like you said, nailed much things better, and there would not have been this prolonged or um, overlong uh, setup. So yeah, uh, that I think that's about what we've got for Wandavision. Although, yeah. oh, 
No, you you say you say what you're gonna say, sir. Oh, and I was gonna say again. I mean, this episode maybe it was just not as in depth as other episodes in terms of things to fix. Because again, it like we were saying, it's a very well done show. It's just about tweaking little things here and there to make it even stronger and land better. So that's correct. That's, that's all correct. I needed to say. <laughs> now, however, what you know could be a longer episode, Doctor John. Oh. Which I don't have time for. Why, Doctor John? Looking at WandaVision within the context of Doctor Strange 2. Really <gasps> scratch the surface. So maybe we need to keep this going and just make it a bonus episode afterwards. I like that idea. I like that idea. Um, yeah, something to look forward to in the future or in the multiverse. Oh, dun, dun, dun. I, don't that, I don't think that joke landed as it <laughs> to land, but you know. Hey, you know, you win, it's a numbers game. You win some, you lose some. Exactly. You know who I blame for that? Agatha. It was Agatha all along. It really was. And speaking <laughs> of that, I'm Dr. John C. And I'm Dr. John A. And it's been it was Dr. John's all along. <laughs> Dr. John's all along. Oh, that was off. I'm sorry. <laughs> You didn't sing it with me. I was really sorry because I was like, wait, wait, it caught me. I thought we were doing our usual, like, the script doctors. Okay, redo, redo, redo. Okay, give me the count. Give me the count. <laughs> uh, just with the Dr. John's all along? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or no, let's start it from the beginning. Okay. Um. Oh, oh, yeah. So I'm. D- so- <laughs> I'm Dr. John C. And I'm Dr. John A. And it's been. The Dr. Jones. <laughs> now I'm going to go get hexed. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Script Doctors. If you have a story that could use a little script doctor magic, you can contact us at thejohns.scriptdoctors at gmail.com. We'll help you diagnose what your script is suffering from and give you our recommended prescriptions for how to cure it at a cost that you can actually afford. But we do not accept insurance. Yeah, we don't do that. But make sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok as well, at The Script Doctors. In the meantime, be sure to do your writing exercises and give your scripts plenty of thematic vitamins. Paging the Dr. Johns. You're needed in the ER immediately. Not another flop. Come on, Dr. John. We gotta go. See you next time.